I'm not willing to inflict that suffering and that danger. Are you on the unborn child? On women. I mean, does the unborn child have any interest? I keep, it's the third time I've asked it. It's the third time you've asked because your priority is the fetus and not the life of the woman. No, I've already acknowledged that I'm perfectly in favor. Okay, but words alone are not enough. No, I'm in favor of codifying that legal. We need laws. We need laws. Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right, well, I am your host, Andrew Rappaport, and this is The Rap Report. Welcome to 2020. Wow, that sounds weird to say. <laughs> I am joined with the man who used to have hair. I actually saw a picture. Virgil Walker, you had hair. I, you know, I'm just saying I, it, w- it was hard for me to recognize it. But yeah, you, yeah. I, it, I mean, yeah, definitely had hair at one point. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I, I didn't come out. Well, maybe I came out bald. I, I mean, but I've, I've had hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, as everyone's doing now, right? It's 2020. Everyone's taking these pictures of where they were 10 years ago and right, how they right. looked. And, right. you know, there's some people you look at them from just 10 years and go, wow. Wow, I didn't recognize that at all. (laughs) Some people don't seem to change. And, uh, you know, but uh, I I would like to think that I didn't change in 10 years. But let's be realistic. Yeah, everybody changes to some degree. I think I did a 10 year and I had actually 10 years ago, I I weighed a lot more. So I had been on a weight loss journey. So I I actually look look a little bit younger. Now, if you look at my face close, you can kind of see the wrinkles in the corners of the eyes. But other than that. Um, you know, I, I, I think I held up the pretty good the last 10 years. So. Well, I was going to mention, you know, the fact that, yes, you looked much uh, heavier 10 years ago. It, it was something that um, you've been on a weight loss kick. Um, yep. Today's day one. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do like you. I'm going to try to post a picture <laughs> and 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 motivate myself to, to start running again. Uh, right. I was going to start first thing this morning. We're recording on, on January 1st. And so uh, right. day one so far. Um, I'm a miss, but but as as our friend Dwayne Atkinson from the Bar Podcast, you know, he, he may not make it out at four in the morning when he goes, which is insane. But he'll say, right. "Not missed, just delayed." So I still have time. There's still hours left in the day for me to get on a treadmill and and, and get five minutes in. All right, <laughs> just to say day one. Hey, listen, let's start off. Before we get into our topic, uh, we do have to mention that uh, there was a shooting recently in Texas in a church. And I do want to address this briefly uh, for folks who, you've, if, unless you've had your head in the, the sand and don't know about this, uh, but it, most people have heard about this. But there was a Texas man that came into church, waited until communion, and he uh, pulled out a shotgun uh, there was a person who I, I think, he, if I remember correctly, he was a, a police officer, retired, and he uh, pulled out his service or his weapon, and he shot the the man. The man ended up killing one person, and Jack Wilson ended up killing him. There were actually seven people who pulled out guns, weapons mm-hmm. at that church to to protect um, the the one man that was killed and then one that was injured now so we understand about this individual who did this shooting 
He actually had an arrest record. He, uh, in 2011, he was sentenced 90 days in jail for a misdemeanor and assault. 2012, he was charged with arson. Um, in, both those were in Oklahoma. Actually, I missed in 2008. He had a aggravated assault in Fort Worth. Um, and then he was later sentenced to a year in jail for, uh, misdemeanor with property damage. Um, he ended up, so this is, you know, 2016 arrest in New Jersey, where the police found him with a shotgun near an oil refinery. Now, a, a gun in New Jersey, I mean, that's just like, so, sorry, folks, this isn't America. This is the communist state of New Jersey. We don't allow things like that there. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, so the, this is the character of the man. Now, what you end up seeing is that this guy came to the church. The pastor of the church said that this guy was coming several times uh, asking for food and was getting very upset when he wasn't being given um, money. He wanted cash. And so he ends up taking it out on the church during communion. Um, 71-year-old former Reserve Sheriff Deputy Jack Wilson ends up saying he said he did what he needed to do, which was to, to put an end to this individual who came in, he was dressed in disguise, he had a wig and different things, so that he wouldn't be recognized, he had baggy clothes, and pulls out a shotgun. Now, I find it interesting, he does this during communion. This is a time where the church gathers together to, to celebrate not only what Christ did on our behalf, but we do it at a time of communion where we corporately would do self-examination and publicly announced our union in one body of Christ. And so this gentleman takes that opportunity to try to end people's lives because this church doesn't give money. My church, every church I've been in where I've been in leadership, uh, whether it be the pastors or years ago as a deacon, we always had a policy, we don't give cash, we don't give money. Now, Virgil, you're you're a pastor of a church. I don't know if you are because you have more staff than the churches than than I've been in. So I don't know if you actually get the calls. But as a, as a pastor, I've gotten plenty of calls around this time of year where the the government will send people to churches. Yeah. Oh, there's no. I, you know, they they got money for their. They need money for their kids. Oh, go to your local church. Ask them for right. money. Ask them for food. And people would do that. Mm-hmm. And what I've even found people doing. Like we would always give gift cards. Mm-hmm. And ever since the internet, now people will sell those gift cards online. Yeah. You give them a gift card to ShopRite and they'll go sell it for 90% of the value because all they want is the cash. Mm-hmm. And we've always had that policy. But it's amazing the government will always tell people go to the church. They, they know who it is that has a concern for caring and providing for people. But what I end up seeing is here, you got someone that obviously his church must have had a similar policy. Uh, he's upset that he's not getting money because that's what he wanted, and so he's going to take it out on them. And this is one one reason why we don't, as churches, uh, we shouldn't be giving money, because this is a problem. There's people who just go to the churches, and they pray on their churches for, for the sake of money, and trying to get for themselves. It's um, I think this is something that is, uh, we, we've got to be praying for those who were involved, whose, whose, um, whose, lives were affected by this Mm -hmm. uh i i unfortunately am sure that you can uh, understand that now this this guy who should be a hero will probably be a villain in the media um i did see that he's being called a you know he's being called out by the china 
China is saying that because of him, we need gun, you know, the United States needs gun control laws. Right. Um, right. I like to one person said, yeah, how about you get your human rights things in order first before you start right. telling us about gun laws. Right, right. <laughs> you know, if we, if we gave up the gun laws, we would have a country where we don't have the rights that, you know, f- of basic human needs like those in China. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so uh, let's get into the issue uh, that we want to discuss. Now, for folks, maybe you've heard this, maybe you listened to uh, Ben Shapiro, but on Ben Shapiro Sunday show, episode 83, he had Gloria Aldrich on. And I'll have the full link to that in the description so that you guys can listen and know that we're not taking anything out of context. I'm gonna, we have about 45 clips that we may or may not get through all of them. And so this is a very enlightening interview that they had um, on issues that ranged from feminism, marriage, abortion, gender issues, a lot of different things. And I'll start off with this. There's, uh, And I'll put a link to this in the show notes, but discern that's D I S R N.com. That's a mm-hmm. Christian news site. Uh, they, they announced as so many people are doing with the end of a 2019, they announced that abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2019 with 50, uh, 42.4 million abortions. Mm-hmm. So that is the number one, uh, factor or, or leading thing. If what's, uh, the cause of death. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we realize that the liberals don't want to count that number, but that far outseeds uh, any other. I think cancer was was next up, and that was like, um, I, th- I think it's more than twice the number of. Uh, actually, let me read the article. He says forty two point four million deaths from abortion in twenty nineteen was more than twice the number of all worldwide deaths caused by cancer, smoking alcohol, traffic accidents, malaria, and HIV AIDS combined. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That More than twice all of those. So it's a, it's a real problem. And what we're going to hear today is the way some try to argue and defend it. Um, so let, I want to play some of these clips. I'm going to play long, the long ones so we can hear things in context. Then what I want to do is break some of this up so that we can deal with it. But this is Gloria uh, Aldridge on Ben Shapiro defining marriage. And then Virgil Walker, and I should mention, I should have mentioned this already, uh, but Virgil Walker is from the Just Thinking podcast. If you are going to the G3 conference, you are going to get to see him and his his cohort there. Um, he calls him Batman, uh, Batman. But, but the problem is he uses a wrong translation of the Bible, so I don't know if we can really call him a superhero. Um, he, he uses that, that new Arminian standard Bible, where you and I prefer to use the elect standard Bible. And so... <laughs> I'm going to hear it if he listens to this podcast, uh-huh. but <laughs> but you're going to be doing a live podcast as you did at the Truth Matters Conference. You're going to be doing that G3. Yeah, we're excited. We're really excited about that, getting teed up. In fact, he sent me notes, and, and uh, it's just one more one more list of the, of the things that I've got to walk through in preparation for G3, so... Yeah, which is coming up really soon. Yeah. <laughs> My wife just yeah. pointed me, she's like, we're leaving like a week from Saturday. Um, yeah, because yeah, I head out early. I'll be preaching at uh, Ray Rhodes Church down there in Georgia, which I'm really looking wow. forward to. Wow, and, uh, great. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. I'm, I'm going to 
be dealing with the Old Testament, those you know passages that no one really focuses on, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but let's let's deal with Gloria's definition of marriage, and this was this this is going to really uh, it's going to blow people's minds in how mm-hmm. the leftists who reject God this is their view of what marriage is and how it got started. Mm-hmm. How should feminism view the institution of marriage? If, if you look at some of the more famous feminist writers, the Betty Friedans of the world, for example, they're very critical of the institution of marriage, seeing it as a sort of patriarchal imposition uh, on women. How should, how should feminists see marriage? Well, actually, marriage, the institution of marriage was begun because men wanted to know who their children were because they didn't know if it was their children or somebody else's children if the wife or the, their significant other became pregnant. And this is when women were considered property. So they made rules. Marriage, okay, then she's mine. No other man better d- disturb her because if they do, you know, it might be that they would get her pregnant. He wouldn't know who his children were. So, um, but in any event, uh, people can get married or not get married. I, that's up to them. I, I'm not going to criticize that. I do think that people should treat each other as equal partners if they are married. Not a master-slave relationship, not one person dominating the other person. And um, if people treat each other as best friends, as equal partners, and they have good communication, and they are fair with each other and honest with each other, then it's going to work. And if they're not, one person starts to lie or, you know, do things they shouldn't with someone else after they made a commitment, taken a vow, um, for better or for worse. A lot of people think it's just for better, but it's better or worse. And then ultimately, you know, it, it, it's probably going to work. But it's very difficult to be married these days because we live in a very mobile society where people move around, they change careers. Sometimes they have other people in their life as, you know, as intimate partners. It's, it's very challenging. But I think people generally start out with good intentions and sometimes it kind of deteriorates from there. So that is her view. Let's break this up because there's some segments here. The the one clip I didn't I didn't get that I meant to was where she says they took a vow. I just think that's amazing because she acknowledges this is a religious ex- issue uh, because she's going to then give this argument. But I, let's break this up and start with this first part, Virgil. This is a 30 second clip where she defines that how how marriage started and why. So let's right. play this again. Well, actually, marriage, the institution of marriage was begun because men wanted to know who their children were because they didn't know if it was their children or somebody else's children if the wife or the their significant other became pregnant. And this is when women were considered property. So they made rules. Marriage, okay, then she's mine. No other man better d- disturb her because if they do, you know, it might be that they would get her pregnant and he wouldn't know who his children were. Okay, so that's very different than what we see in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, isn't it? <laughs> Quite a bit different. I mean, my, my initial thought was wh- I would have loved for her to, to give us an idea of how she was informed or from where she she got her information that this was the foundation of institutional marriage, like cite a source, uh, give us a background so that we could examine if that's actually true. But uh, man, this is this is obviously a, a secular view, um, a, a feminist view 
uh, of marriage. I mean, th- this this doesn't in any way, shape, or form uh, biblically inform us with regard to the issue of marriage. Well, Virgil, Virgil, let me explain something to you. This is a liberal. She doesn't have to give sources. The <laughs> fact that she feels this way is enough of an authority right. for your life. You know, I mean, but we do have an account like we can cite sources. We can cite what God, the the one who actually created men and women, male, female, mm-hmm. what he actually said. And, and he gives it to us in Genesis chapter two. He, he said he's the, the founder and he says he created man and woman to be a created man as a headship, created woman as a helpmate. That, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. And he did it. He has the right to tell us about it. And this is what we see that's missing. This whole idea, and you can see the underlining argument, though, because we're going to get into this again in a moment, but her whole argument is this ownership issue that that women are oppressed. Now, anyone that listens to the Just Thinking podcast understands this whole issue of victim status and oppression and how it's used Mm -hmm. in critical race theory. Actually, now they drop the race, and it's just critical theory. Critical theory, right. Because they want to use it for more than just race. Mm-hmm. And so you end up seeing this. And this is what's the underpinning here is to say somehow men are evil. And that's going to justify everything else she's going to end up saying. Abortion is going to be justified. Feminism is going to be justified. All because this view she has of marriage that's unfounded. Right. Right. You, 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 I think you stated it well. This, this already establishes from her definition of marriage and an oppressed, oppressor class, which are women, and uh, that they were to be owned by men on the basis of men's desire to know who, you know, who the, who the, uh, who the child uh, that they were, that the woman was bearing actually belonged to. Um, it, it that that whole ideological position sets up everything to the point you made just moments ago. It sets up everything so that so that all her other arguments uh, c- can follow. But again, earlier we stated, where's the source for this? Like, what can we go back to and point to objectively and say, oh, marriage started on that basis, the basis she's making the claim for. And here's the founding document by which we can ascertain that that's how uh, and why uh, any of this took place? She sourced nothing. Um, it, I mean, when you when you began when you began to, to to define marriage, you defined it biblically. You sourced an objective document as a standard. Uh, anyone can go back and take a look and examine what you said to determine whether or not uh, wh- whether or not the claim was was true on that basis. No one can do any of that with with uh, with Gloria Aldridge uh, her her statement. No one. But okay, let's take the for example. So you believe in evolution you're going to try to go down that road but let's think about that if her argument because her argument is not based in anything there's nothing for her to cite but if her argument is that well this is the way evolution is okay evolution why in the world would a man and a woman they evolve why would they the man even care whose kids are his (laughs) right i mean what makes the man feel like oh i gotta have my kids and not raise someone else's kids no you, you wouldn't care you just it, it would be 
sleep with whoever and you have whoever many kids, who cares? As long as you don't have to take care of them. In, in fact, I would argue that it may be the reverse. You, 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 want, you may have wanted more kids. You don't care who's they're from so that they could work the farms. Now you might want to give away the kids because you got to pay for college. You know, it's, it, the culture is This is evolution. Right, <laughs> right. And, and if, if, if the evil man who wanted to own women in the first place really, you know, uh, really walked out that, that, that ideological position, he, like you said, he would care less whose kids they were. In fact, the, the woman having kids would be all the more reason for him to walk away and find the next woman that he could, you know, have, have intercourse with so that he could, you know, enjoy the, the, his freedom rather than having to worry about whose children they are in the first place. And, but, but here's the thing, and this is the next clip is what she does in, se- in saying this is sets up for her master-slave relationship. Listen to what she said in that clip. Let's listen. I do think that people should treat each other as equal partners if they are married. Not a master-slave relationship. Not one person dominating the other person. Now, that is essential. You have to understand something. Gloria Aldridge has said in the past, that I don't have the clip of that, but she has said that all sex is rape. Okay? This is her view. Now, she's married. Like, so, I don't know if there's any sexual relation she has with her husband, but is it always rape? It's like, but this is the mindset that a marriage is by default in her mind a master-slave relationship. And somehow we have to change that. She, she defines it this way in, in that clip we played. I'll play this clip where she, she defines how marriage could work well. And it's not a master-slave relationship. And really the issue of master-slave relationship is an issue of differences in roles. Because the, the way that she's thinking a master is if you have one person that has headship over the family. That's what they're really against. We see this countless times. You've dealt with this on your podcast. I've dealt with it on my podcast. The whole issue of women having equal, being completely equal as men, especially in the area of church leadership. And they would say, no, they have to be completely equal. That's what she's arguing for marriage. Now, it's going to be funny when we get to issues of transgenderism. We're going to see a little bit of a change in that. She's going to see that there should be some differences, but she has a hard time with it. But this is how she defines a marriage working. And um, if people treat each other as best friends, as equal partners, and they have good communication, and they are fair with each other and honest with each other, then it's going to work. And if they're not, one person starts to lie or, you know, do things they shouldn't with someone else after they made a commitment, taken a vow. Taken a vow? What, what, what's a vow? That's a religious thing. But, you know, the, the amazing thing with this, Virgil, is you listen to what she's saying. Where does she get a standard to say that right. it should matter? If one takes advantage of the other, or if one lies the other. In fact, if her worldview is correct, shouldn't it be that we should try to take advantage of our spouses? We should be trying to take advantage of everyone, because it's all survival of the fittest. And the more fit I am, the better I can survive, and the better my offspring should survive. Therefore, I should do everything just for my own fitness. Right. Right. This is this is the backwards. This is the backwards view of of secularist, in that they have no objective standard, except for the subjective standard that they determine, and and when they and when they establish any truth claims on that basis, they're expecting others to behave accordingly. 
You know, they, they, they've created in their own mind that that vows are to be taken or that things shouldn't be held in a slave master, uh, uh, you know, dichotomy. But at the same time, there, there's 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 no objective basis for that. So I don't know how they can say that that should apply to anyone outside of themselves in their own relationships, because they're the ones who determined it. And, uh, and, and no one is obligated, not by any moral standard or, or religious uh, belief, to, uh, to follow it. Yeah, so they, they set up a standard that they don't give citations for, can't support in any objective way, and then right. say it applies for everyone. Right. But your standard, when it comes to relying on what God the Creator said, no, we know that can't be the standard. Right, right. Now it's it's interesting because I, I know you're going to get to this because what she'll what what she will do for the most part her her God becomes the law, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 the reality is laws change. I mean, it was one time legal uh, to hold slaves, right? I mean, if if her God is the law, that's an ever changing subjective standard that she holds herself to. I mean, he, he um, Shapiro asked her a number of different questions and her response is always driven by, 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 by a legal standard. Well, and, she isn't, uh, she is a lawyer, so we can understand that, but he's even going to bring up as we'll get to later that abortion was illegal at one point and it changed. Right. So, which is always the interesting thing. People want to say, but it's, it's the law, but it wasn't always the law. Like people are saying, well, we need to accept this whole thing with gender and, you know, people can identify whatever gender they are. Mm -hmm. And that's only the last 10 years this has come up. So we should ignore 6,000 years of history and and everything else and just say, okay, now we suddenly are going to change and everyone else has to accept this. It's it's the insanity. Now, I want to play this longer because it's about two minutes. And this is her explaining feminism, which... Again, you're seeing this is her argument from the the marriage, but here's the thing as I, as I play this. We'll break it up, but I want you guys to listen to how she defines feminism. This is basically a, a kind of a logical fallacy, and it's the fallacy of equivocation. The reason I say that is the term feminism, she's going to provide a dictionary definition that's so broad, it encompasses every reasonable person, but right. then... What people actually use when they refer to feminism is a is very specific political definition. Right. Right. And when she, when she when she gives this definition, I, I almost thought, oh, that's that's biblical patriarchy. I mean, what she's <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was exactly what I thought. She, like, and this is the thing; it's so broad. But the, the interesting thing is, Ben Shapiro even tried to bring out these different definitions. She's like, oh, I'm just going to sweep that all aside. I'm just going to go to this general one. Now, why do people do it? People do that so that you go, oh, well, I agree with her. And then she says, okay, if you agree with me on this, then just slowly slide into the area you wouldn't have agreed. But now she's going to, she's actually going to say that Ben Shapiro is a feminist. L- listen to this. Uh, there, there are various sort of definitions of feminism that, that float around. You know, I, I can give you simple ones from the dictionary. I'd be happy to hear them because there's kind of first wave feminism, there's second wave feminism. Okay, well, I don't get involved in how many waves. I get involved in how many injustices. All right, so uh, a feminist is simply a person who believes in legal, economic, social, and political equality for women with men. Are you a feminist, Ben? By that definition, sure. That's it. Thank you. I rest my case. Okay, but the problem is that that is not quite as simple as all of that. I wish it were quite as simple as all of that, right? I mean, you'd you'd be hard-pressed to find many people in America who would say no to that question, but obviously there's widespread disagreement about where the lines are drawn. Well, it doesn't have to be a disagreement. Just go to the dictionary. 
Uh, and then ask yourself, how would you want your daughter to be treated? And most people, when they think, especially fathers, when they think about how they would like their daughter to be treated without going into, well, what's the definition of feminism? They want their daughter to be treated with respect, with dignity, not to become a victim of gender violence, not to be paid less than men, not to be treated in a way that would constitute sexual harassment, uh, not to be discriminated against if they become pregnant. Well, that's really what feminists believe. So, among other things, you know, not to have a problem collecting their child support if somehow the marriage breaks up or there is no marriage. And so, just think about it. If you had daughters or plan to have daughters, how you'd want them to be treated. And then you're probably a feminist. I have fathers that come up to me all the time if I'm walking down the street or elsewhere and say, thank you, we know you're doing this for our daughters. So I may not agree with everything you say, Gloria, but I know that's what you're trying to do, and I appreciate that. So that is such a general definition that everyone that is in favor of biblical justice, not social justice, those are two right. very different things, Right. but those that are in favor of biblical justice would agree with that definition that she laid out and she as would as would any as would anyone who who claim to be uh, uh hold to biblical patriarchy or hold to complementarianism i mean uh, we could you could you could ask those same questions of her in the in the way that she did ben because of the the, the generic nature of what we all agree upon so do you think all people should be treated fairly and with respect with dignity and respect absolutely well then welcome to biblical patriarchy uh gloria I mean that that's that's the equivalent of what she did. Well, and you saw this is this is a, a lawyer. This is someone who's right. Case closed. She well, she's just trying to argue, right. but she does the emotional appeal. And they play these clips because you hear the emotional appeal in these three clips where she refers yep. to daughters. Yep. And then ask yourself, how would you want your daughter to be treated? They want their daughter to be treated with respect, with dignity. Just think about it. If you had daughters or plan to have daughters, how you'd want them to be treated. And then you're probably a feminist. Okay, so you're probably a feminist. Gloria, this is going to blow your mind, if she's listening, I doubt. So someone send this to her. I'm sure someone out here knows <laughs> her well. Um, Gloria, do you know that the majority of Muslims in Muslim countries want their daughters to be treated as second-class citizens under their husband? So... If you're going to use that as your argumentation, just <clears throat> think about how you want your daughters to be treated. Gloria, would you accept the Muslim man's definition of how he wants his daughter to be treated? Mm. Just think about that because that's your argumentation. So your definition wasn't clear enough to be able to explain the real position that you have because you have other cultures that don't have the same view as you expect everyone to have for their daughters the only place that you get that right view is from god and his word because god is the standard and this is what's absent from gloria aldridge and because it's absent she makes statements that show that they cannot be universal to all people of all time all cultures mm -hmm. she would not want to be subjected to the muslim definition where a man can slap hit whatever to his wife and she has no recourse 
She wouldn't say that that's appropriate, but that's exactly what a father would expect of his daughter because the father of in, in Islam would expect the daughter to be subservient to the man, which is the whole thing that she really is against. That is the master-slave relationship that she's saying shouldn't be, but yet that's what those fathers expect of their daughter. Mm-hmm. You see, she's not saying the American father. Right. She, she's saying fathers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's not a standard that would hold up in court, Gloria. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't. And she and she knows and she knows that. Again, she she recognizes where she's at. She recognizes the audience. Um, you know, and so her her goal was to appeal. And again, this is this is the <clears throat> this is the mask worn by secularists. One of the things that we uh, we do in 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 Christian culture is we, we try to be very clear. I mean, most most of the folks that I know try to be very clear about what we believe and why we believe it and, 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 and hold an objective standard, which is the word of God. <clears throat> Most secularists don't want you to know with specificity all that they truly believe. So they'll tell you what they think you need to hear for you to side with them. And then you'll walk down this slippery slope uh, that they'll have th- this trail, this ideological trail that they'll have you on that will land you in, in, in pretty rough patches. So Gloria Aldridge would not do well if she was to fit into the Just Thinking podcast model where you guys <laughs> deal with the term, you define the term, you walk through the Bible giving the biblical definition and refutation of the things and then give the application. She would be stuck on that very first one with her definitions yeah, or definitions lack thereof. Work. Yeah, def- yeah def- <laughs> she, she, she wouldn't be able to uphold the, the, the definition portion. So Yeah. Now, she ends up saying that her goal, the goal of feminism is equality, right? That For the number of women. Let, let's listen to this. With regard to feminism, when it, when it speaks for the equality of women, does, does that mean the equality or does it mean the sameness between men and women? Meaning, take for it's example. equality. It's, it's, it's all about, that's why I said, equal. It's about improving the condition and status of women to help to bring women into the mainstream of American life in equal partnership with so, men. To take in each and every aspect of life, we don't have an equal number of women elected to Congress or to the United States Yeah, but Senate. we have more women than men going to law school and more women than yeah. men going to college. Okay, well, that's good for, you know, it's the beginning. Uh, okay, I'm going to stop it there, even though I had the clip longer. Because do you, do you see what just happened? I mean, there, she's talking equality, and what happens the moment some facts come into th- her argument from that Ben brings up that don't work with her? It's like, okay, that's nice for them. Let's move on. Right, right. Well, I, I I thought it was interesting when she said that's a beginning. I, I think she I think she tipped her hand, mm-hmm. right? Because the what what he stated was that there are more. She was talking about equality. She should be fine at the point that there's parity when there are an equal number of women as men who are in law you know law positions or or, or in law school. That should be sufficient. Her her statement after he said that there are more women was that's a good start. That's a start, right? It, it wasn't, so, so again, it's the point that I was making earlier. They're not giving you what really is at the core of the ideological position that they hold. I mean, they're, they're holding things close to the vest and then things leak out over time as, as, they be, as, as their conversations become more emotionally based, you begin to see what's really at hand. Well, as you and I have dealt with with the social justice issue, they say this is what they want, but it's never where they're going to stop. They're no. always going to push it. She's arguing for equality and, and she's defining it as the number of, P of women. Now, first of all, she ended up saying like there needs to be, you know, to bring women into mainstream. Are you kidding me? 
You, like, you really don't believe women are in the mainstream. I thought I thought that as well when she said that. That was amazing. I mean, what planet is she? She's still stuck in the era when women couldn't. She, she's almost like anyone that listens to Just Thinking, they're going to know this reference. But she's no different than James H. Cohn, who's still stuck in the period of slavery, saying, well, you know, African-Americans are treated as subhuman. Absolutely. And, and they're not they're not equal in representation. Yeah. Uh, they're like, yeah, that was true in the past for yeah. Gloria. Yeah, some of these things were true in the past for women, mm-hmm. but you're dealing with now. You're you're lecturing. This is just this past weekend. This was just 2019, which was only a week ago. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a whole year, but it was only a week. And so right. what you end up seeing is when she's arguing, it's like, well, there's got to be equal number. But see, she doesn't want equal, and you brought that out. In areas where there's less men than than women, that's fine. In areas where there's less women than men, that's not okay. So really what it is is there has to be, at a minimum, equality for the women. But exceeding for the women is okay. Well, then she really doesn't want equality. She doesn't want equal rights for women. She wants extra rights for women. Well, that that was the that was the case behind the whole argument for the same sex marriage issue. <clears throat> when 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 same sex marriage before Bergefeld was was passed, the issue was we just want equality, right? We we just want to have equal access to marriage as everyone else does. We want our rights. We want those rights to be equal. And 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 the reality was they did have equal access. Everyone had the access to marry someone of the opposite sex. So they had equal access. What they were after were additional rights, right? They, they, they wanted, they wanted, they wanted, they wanted um, uh, opportunities to do something that the law did not yet provide for. And so, and they wanted them exclusive to those who had uh, attractions to the same sex. So they, they weren't, they weren't asking no one in this instance or in any, or in any of these instances where, where the promotion of, of a secularized worldview, whether it's feminism or, or same-sex marriage or, or, or other issues with, a, with, with regard to equality on the basis of things that are, that are mutable, this is, this is, they're looking for something extra. Just, just keep that in mind. Yeah, and, and this is why I always say that it is not about homosexual marriage. It was never about that. Homosexuals are always allowed to get married. It was about same-sex marriage. Right. So right. let me, um, for the sake of time, let me play. Let me play some of these other clips with the feminism issue. This was her dealing with the issue of self identity, which is was very interesting. They're going to get into the whole thing of women playing in men's sports. So her, her views on this is quite interesting. We'll play a couple of clips here. Man who identifies as a woman because he believes he is a woman and he is competing with women as a feminist is that something that you are pro or against? Not only believes, self identifies, and perhaps. Should be consi- and should be considered. Well, n- now you're making a moral statement, okay, but not a the, statement. No, of, of I'm, I'm also making a legal, uh, drawing a legal conclusion. But let me- okay, so let's, let's just stop that there. Notice this is what she's doing. He's calling her out because she's making a moral argument, and she wants to try. Oh no, it's just legal. It's just legal. Well, let's see what she does with the legal because we're going to see, especially when it comes to some of the abortion things. She's going to want to play fast and loose with what's legal when it's convenient for her. It's legal, right. therefore we do it. Right. And that that's it, because it's legal. It's a legal issue. It's not a moral issue. But every law, every single law is a moral issue. Don't let anyone fool you. 
when they when, when she's saying it's a legal issue, a law is a morality. It's saying you can do this or you can't do that. It is morality. Every law. So it's not just a legal thing. He's absolutely right in calling her out for being a moral issue because every law is a moral issue. Let's go on. Get back to the heart of your question. It's a challenging one. It's a difficult one. The point is, it is very difficult where it comes to sports, but I just don't think anyone should be denied the opportunity uh, to compete solely on account of their gender or because uh, they are transgender. And it, it's just difficult, but I think that's the way it is. So would you I don't want to deny anybody an opportunity. So, so why does self-identity make a difference there? Meaning if a man just wants to compete in a female sport, why should he not be able to? Why should the self-identity be the, be the deciding factor? Uh, well, uh, again, that's a hard one. I don't really have an answer. It's some kind of thinking about it myself. But uh, I think, you know, in certain sports, it would give an advantage uh, to the men and deny an opportunity to the women. Okay, so it's very interesting because what you heard her say there is she doesn't want to deny anyone an opportunity. Right. Okay, when we get to the abortion issue, just remember that. Remember she said that. She doesn't want to ever deny anyone an opportunity because I, my argument's going to be, Gloria, you want to deny children in the womb the opportunity, opportunity. to live. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But she knows this is a difficult issue because she's been fighting for women's rights for a long time now. And here she's got this case where all of a sudden, who is a woman? What defines a woman? And she's had to struggle with this because right. now you have men. And I think Ben Stein, uh, Ben Stein, ben, ben Shapiro is very smart in the way he does this. He brings up an issue that's going to be difficult for her. He could bring up a whole lot of other issues where she could easily get around it and try to, to, to escape the, the crux of the, of the issue she's stuck in is mm-hmm. When it comes to feminism, it's what defines a woman. Now, she, you have to have that definition if you're going to be arguing for women's rights. Mm-hmm. Because if anyone can just identify as a woman, she's, she admits, yeah, it's probably bad in women's sports. Um, listen to this clip where she's going to talk about women as being inferior. This is You're seeing the common thread, the victim status that Virgil mentioned, the whole idea with, with the master-slave relationship. You're going to hear that come out in this clip. A similar question to be At asked about... At this point, it may be that, that it makes sense to deny a man to be in a woman's sport. But you take public education, for example. I went to an all-girls high school back in the cave age, when I, I went to an all-boys high school. Much so. younger. Okay. And, but that's a public-funded uh, high school. In, it was in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. still is. And um, we didn't have, really, there were men didn't want to be, or boys didn't want to be in it at the time, all-girls high school, because women were considered of less value. Some of the girls decided they wanted to go to the all-boys high school, also publicly funded. Men being considered of more value, maybe having more programs there. Maybe it was better funded because, after all, they were men considered to be more important than women. Um, there have been court challenges, and since then, uh, the courts have decided that, yes, boys should have the opportunity to go to girls' high. Girls should have the opportunity to go to Central High School, which was the all-boys high school in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't know any guys that would be going, oh, I don't want to go to an all-girls school as a guy. I mean, where, what planet is she on? Now, now, notice the language. 
maybe it's better. Maybe it's this reason. Maybe it's, that's couching it. So that if, if Ben Shapiro decides to call her out on these things, as you saw he did, well, I went to an all-boys school. She, right. He's taking away the argument that she, she would be having. And so what you end up seeing is that th- what she's attempting to do is try to be like, just shut him down. Like, oh yeah, that's okay for you. It's, you, you hear the moral superiority that <laughs> she feels she has. Right. But she doesn't have actual facts that this is anything that she's saying is actually true. No, and you have to accept the fact that, according to her, that the all-girls school was inferior on the basis that the all-boys school was superior. Just, just that was the standard thought process when she's provided no, no, no source that states that. There, I can't imagine her attending a all-women's school that was subpar. Right. I, I think the very reason for the school was so that girls could not have to deal with with the issues that that adding boys to their culture creates, that they could feel empowered in the classroom, that they could be as smart as they desired to be, that they could excel academically. I mean, all of those things are were, were reasons, I'm certain, that she was sent to the all girls school. But we have to accept based upon the fact that she states it so that the all-girls school was inferior, and therefore some of the girls wanted to go to, to the all-boys school. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, and that's exactly what Ben is going to ask her as he asks, is there any place where we can have gender-only spaces? Listen here. So is there any area of American life where you believe that there should be the ability to have a female-only space or a male-only space? I mean, there, there's pretty good evidence to suggest that, for example, women, I, girls tend to actually do better in girls-only classes because thanks to in many cases, sort of patriarchal view of boys, women actually perform better when they are not confronted with boys uh, in the I classroom. think there's some evidence of that. I would have to agree with you on that. And I would say, if it's completely private, that they have the right to do it. If, however, they accept any taxpayer funds, they don't have the right to do it. They don't have a right today to do it. <laughs> right. right? We've already seen they don't have the right today because uh, that's where it's okay for now, but we're going to push the envelope and keep pushing it. That, that's what you end up seeing. And and he's and she has to admit, yes, there are benefits to this. That it, she she was stuck there. Now, right. l- let's get into the real issue you and I want to address. And we've already been forty five minutes. This is going to be a long episode. I'm just because mm-hmm. the majority. I'm not even going to play the longer clips now because we have uh, we, I have a bunch of it clipped up. We want to deal with the issue of abortion. Um, as we said, forty two million. Abortions just last year, 2019. Uh, so she ends up making the argument here that, you know, government should not be making any laws against choice. And let's, let's deal with some of these and try to uh, explain what we see going on. So let me play this clip from her. I'm pro-choice because I don't think that the United States government, or for that matter, any government, should be making laws which restrict or eliminate a woman's right to choose safe, legal, affordable, available abortions. Okay, so she's giving her view there. And, and actually, you know what? I, I do want to play the longer clip, Virgil, yep. because yep. I want to give the context. So we'll, let's come back to that clip. We'll, let me play the, the long clip for folks, because so, I want you to hear the context of everything we're going to deal with first before we chop it up. Mm-hmm. Gloria, all right, I want to ask you about your perspective on abortion because right. I've gotten a lot of people who, who want me to ask you that question, and yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective also. Okay, so obviously I'm very pro-life, you're very pro-choice, so I wanted to get your take, and I, I know obviously you have a, a deeply 
Mm-hmm. Felt personal story about mm-hmm. how you came to this conclusion, but why are you pro-choice as opposed to pro-life? Well, I'm pro-choice because I don't think that the United States government, or for that matter, any government, should be making laws which restrict or eliminate a woman's right to choose safe, legal, affordable, available abortions. Because when government tries to restrict or eliminate a woman's right to choose, what they're saying is essentially that they think they're saying or maybe they purport to be saying that a woman should not be able to get an abortion. But, of course, women will still continue to get abortions, only they will be illegal, unsafe, uh, and many women will die, as they did before Roe v. Wade, perhaps hemorrhaged to death, which I almost did, because I had to have an abortion provided by someone who was not a licensed health care provider because it was not, I was not able, because of the laws, to be able to have access to a licensed health care provider like a doctor to perform an abortion. So many women had what's called back alley abortions where they almost bled to death or were maimed or did die. And I don't want that to happen to anybody else's daughter or sister or mama. And the people who are hurt by these laws attempting to restrict abortion are young women, poor women, rural women, and mainly women of color. Maybe they can't afford the bus fare to go to another state where abortion is still legal. Maybe they can't even get there because they're working two jobs or three jobs or have other kids to support. So, in other words, I don't believe in mandatory motherhood, perhaps like you do, where women are forced to, you know, take uh, a fetus to term and deliver. I don't believe that a fertilized egg should have more rights than than an adult woman. Uh, And I think this is all very dangerous to women's health. Okay, so there's so much there. Let's now let's get back to the clip on the government laws because I want to. I, I do want to be fair, and so you guys don't say I'm being. You know, there's any liberals that are listening to this. You're getting to hear the context. That's something that you're not going to hear liberals do when they do things like that to Christians, right? So now let's deal with this. I'm going to play the clip again, 17 seconds on her view of government. We're going to chop all these up and get to as many as we can. Here's what she said. I'm pro-choice because I don't think that the United States government, or for that matter, any government, should be making laws which restrict or eliminate a woman's right to choose safe, legal, affordable, available abortions. Okay, so let's get to, you know, th- let me play what she sh- where she should have stopped. Yes. Let me just play where she should have stopped. Ready? I, 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 wonder if, I wonder if we're going to say the same thing. I wonder if we're going to stop at the same point. Well, let's find out. Here we go. Okay. I'm pro-choice because I don't think. Should we hear that again? (laughs) I'm pro-choice because I don't think. So right there. That's it. (laughs) I I think that Uh, that should have been it. I had a little diff. I had a different space in mind, but yeah, that that one actually works pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the she. But but her whole thing is. Well, okay. Where did you think she should stop? I should I should ask where, that right right before right before she, uh, where she, where she said I think a woman should have a right to choose, and what she should have said was to murder her unborn baby. That's right, that's right. Because and that's what we're going to get to is and and Ben Shapiro is going to press that issue. You're going to hear he's going to ask the same question 
like three times in in a space of about 10 to 15 minutes because he's pressing her to answer one issue about whose life it is and she will not answer that you'll you'll see her try to skate around it over and over and over again but you know she's this is the thing there should be no government laws none right so what's he going to do he's going to point out well this it was illegal at one time right Mm -hmm. um but listen to the emotional appeal she gives her whole argument is well i had this this happen to me and who who in the world forced her to have an abortion i want to know that what government law required her to have an abortion because that's the argument listen to this listen to how she words it listen to the 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 emotionalism and you're going to hear her arguing as if someone had her at gunpoint from the government forcing her to have this unhealthy abortion and she almost died and many others are going to die listen to what she says about many women many women will die as they did before roe v wade perhaps hemorrhage to death which i almost did because I had to have an abortion provided by someone who was not a licensed health care provider because it was not, I was not able, because of the laws, to be able to have access to a licensed health care provider like a doctor to perform an abortion. Okay, so let's, let's deal with this. This is kind of interesting because she's saying we, they can't have this life, you know, the, 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 the lives are at risk. Well, first off, let's deal with the, the elephant in the room. Gloria, every successful abortion ends a human life. Right. Okay. Second, the thing that most people don't understand when people like Gloria make the arguments she makes is the fact that abortionists do not have to be licensed professionals. No. This is the thing everyone forgets. When it comes to abortion, they go into these clinics that do not have to fit under medical standards. No. It's very interesting. I'm, I was on the board at a, a crisis pregnancy center, and we were the only, the only center in all of New Jersey that did a full battery of STD testing. And so because of that, we actually had people that would refer patients to us. And because doctors don't do it. But here's the thing about the abortion clinics. When we were doing this, we had to fit under more strict licensing to do STT testing than an abortion clinic has to when they're putting someone under anesthesia and doing a, an operation on them. Mm-hmm. So the whole argument she makes is unfounded because the people that do the abortions are not licensed medical professionals. They right. don't need to be. Right. They may be. It's beneficial. I think I think Planned Parenthood requires it, but they don't have to be. No. Interestingly enough, I mean, if you listen to the language that she used, it's I had to have an abortion by someone who was unlicensed. No, 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 you didn't. She, She didn't have to have an abortion. I mean, there were other options that were available to her. That those were. It's interesting when they abdicate their own choice and they begin to use language that they had to have. Right? Mm-hmm. She she should have said, "I chose to have an abortion with someone who was not licensed, and it could put me at risk for death. Put me at risk for hemorrhaging to death because of the choice that I made to end the life to murder the child that was in my womb, and that is a risk that you take." But that's the thing. She's arguing for choice. And and this is what I said before we played that clip, right? She's she's arguing for this, but who forced her to have it? Right. It was her choice to have the abortion. Absolutely. Because she didn't want to choose to have a child. Absolutely. And she says people are hurt by this. But listen, here's the interesting thing. I want you to listen. And Virgil, you're going to 
I know zone in on this because I know you know Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood and what her goals were with it. Mm-hmm. Listen to who she says are going to be hurt by these laws. Yeah. And the people who are hurt by these laws attempting to restrict abortion are young women, poor women, rural women, and mainly women of color. Maybe they can't afford the bus fare to go to another state where abortion is still legal. Okay, so Virgil, what was the goal of Planned Parenthood? Who who did they target when they wanted to do abortions and why? They targeted people of color. They targeted low-income people of color. Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist, and she desired to – I mean, she, she, she was a racist to boot, and she, she did not want to see African-Americans thriving. And so it was her, it was her goal through, that, through, a, through a project aimed and targeted at black Americans to, to see them abort their children. And so, I mean, that's why you have numbers as staggering as 33 to 35% of all abortions – come from well if you if you added and i'm i'm simply quoting figures from for blacks if you added hispanics you'd you'd be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 45 to 50 percent almost half of abortions are from people of color if you add add those who would be considered people of color which is amazing because she says oh those are the people are going to be hurt by it they're hurt by it because you're targeting them to eliminate their children absolutely And, and you we both brought up the fact of this this she she was had to she was forced to have an abortion but look at her view let's listen to her view of of what she thinks ben shapiro's view is she says she's of a position of choice ben you support forced motherhood listen to this in other words i don't believe in mandatory motherhood perhaps like you do where women are forced to you know take uh, a fetus to term and deliver i don't believe that a fertilized egg should have more rights than an, than an adult woman. Uh, and I think this is all very dangerous to women's health. It's so dangerous. It's dangerous to have motherhood. You know, she's, she talks about how many people are dying because of these, these abortions that are, aren't done by licensed professionals and, and all this stuff. But you know what, Gloria, people die when they get into car accidents. Are you going to say that they should never get into cars? Are you right. going to be consistent in your thinking? Are you going to say, well, people, people die when they, of cancer when they, they smoke cigarettes? Are you going to outlaw cigarettes? Or are you going to say, well, that's the choice that they have, and therefore it should be, it should be okay, and we should, we should understand? No, you're not consistent on this. That's a, 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 the thing. No one's being forced to be a mother before they make the choice to have sex. Now, they're going to make the case of rape. We're going to get to that later. But the, the, the real issue is that's a minor case, and the majority of people, are. it's not an issue of rape. They're doing it out of convenience, no. just as she was. And the thing is, is that when you argue for people who are, are doing it out of convenience, you, you can't sit here and say, well, I, it's my choice after I made the decision. That's like me saying, you know, I robbed that bank, but I don't choose to go to jail. I don't choose to suffer the consequences of that, Gloria. I, I want you to defend me and saying, look, I made my choice, but now I want to make a different choice. I don't like the consequences of my choice. It's incredible. Um, let me play the last long clip that we're going to play to get context. Um, and that's going to be the one on, on abortion restrictions. Then we're going to, I'll play a bunch of clips about the uh, abortion rest- uh, science, scientific arguments for abortion that they get into. And, it's interesting, but let me just play this this longer clip. This is when Ben is going to ask her about restrictions on abortion. Do you believe there should be any 
period-based restrictions on abortion, or abortion should be available up to point of birth on I think that Roe v. Wade, the 1973 United States Supreme Court decision, which found that women have a fundamental constitutional right to choose abortion at certain stages of their pregnancy, which cannot be interfered with uh, by the government or anyone else, I think that is a decision which should remain, even though the anti-choice activists uh, want to try to up reverse Roe v. Wade and allow states to make ridiculous and dangerous restrictions on abortion. One state even trying to uh, make an abortion illegal for a woman to try to get one, even because before she's even pregnant, no, she's pregnant. It's just absurd. But worse than that, this is, I can't emphasize the word dangerous enough. And it's it's wrong. And we're going to fight against it. Yes, I had an abortion when I almost, and I almost died when I was in my 20s. So I know what it's like to be a young woman, doesn't know where to go, what to do. And, but, you know, I, I yes, I know I've seen pictures of the protests where there are a lot of men and teenage teenagers from certain religious schools out there protesting. I know a fair number some, of women. Who well, some women too. I'm not saying there are no women, but I'm saying I know they have now, religious beliefs about forcing women to take pregnancies to turn to term. They say they're pro-life, and what about the life of the mother? Is my question, or the woman who's carrying a fetus? Um, not aware that anybody's wanting to kill. But, but you know, the mother. I, I just don't believe anybody should be able to impose their religious ideology on others who don't necessarily subscribe to that, those religious beliefs. Everyone is entitled to be respected for their religious beliefs, but not to have the government um, weaponize those beliefs into law. I wonder if she feels that the, womb, the child in the womb has those same rights. But <laughs> let's deal with it. Let me deal with the first clip that we're going to play. And this is where she's trying to argue that abortion law should not be interfered with by the government. I think that Roe v. Wade, the 1973 United States Supreme Court decision, which found that women have a fundamental constitutional right to choose abortion at certain stages of their pregnancy, which cannot be interfered with uh, by the government or anyone else, I think that is a decision which should remain. Okay, so so it, you're, you're going to see this later. I almost want to play some of the clips later where they're, they're dealing with, this was not always the law, Gloria. Right. For you who are listening, realize this. She's making an argument as if abortion was always the law. This was a law right. in 1973. Right. It was illegal before that. If she's right. going to say that, you know, she, if she's going to be consistent, she should be against abortion. We're going to get this later when she says lawmakers shouldn't be doing this. But she says that they shouldn't interfere because it's the law. But was it always the law? No, it wasn't. No. And so, if she's going to be consistent, then we shouldn't be changing any of the laws. But what really gets me is, and I hope you're already seeing how much, and this is why Virgil and I break this down for you folks, is so that you can hear, we're, we're stopping it, we're playing it, we're showing, listen to the emotional appeal she makes, listen yes. to the language she makes, because when you hear this played in one shot, you could be taken in by this, but it's all language that she has learned from years of doing this, that this language works. Yes. She's going to talk about how dangerous this is. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the danger? You, you know who abortion is dangerous for? The, the child, child in the womb. Yeah. That's who it's dangerous for. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's dangerous for the mother, but not as much, <laughs> right? But she, so if it's so dangerous, all right, li- listen to her. Even though the anti-choice activists uh, want to try to up- reverse Roe v. Wade and allow states to make ridiculous and dangerous restrictions on abortion, one state even trying to uh, make an abortion illegal for a woman to try to get one, even because before she's even pregnant, no, she's pregnant. It's just absurd. But worse than that, this is, I can't emphasize the word dangerous enough. She can't emphasize the word dangerous enough. What is it that the, that the, these pro-lifers want to do? They want to give states a choice. Yeah, and notice, notice the language that she used. It was anti-choice activist. Yeah. Right. She she used the language the anti-choice activists want to you know want to you know establish things in such a way that uh, that 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 they make things dangerous and to the point you you've made th- th- it's dangerous for the child in the womb who who loses their lives as a result of the abortion. And it's interesting. Listen to how she defines who these activists are. And, and Ben Shapiro starts, this is where he's starting to, to not reason. You know, you listen, this is a 53-minute interview. The, the first probably 40 minutes is very cordial. He's letting mm-hmm. her speak. But you could tell he's, he's like, look, I can't let this stuff go. I, I just can't mm-hmm. let you keep doing this. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to hear this in this because she, she's trying to just say these claims without any, any citing of any sources, just saying it and he starts calling her out listen to this you know i i yes i know i've seen pictures of the protests where there are a lot of men and teenage teenagers from certain religious schools out there protesting i know a fair number some, of women well are, some are, women too i'm not saying there are no women but i'm saying i know they have beliefs. okay so about 45 percent of women are pro-life but she only wants to focus on the men in these religious these religious groups because she's going to make it a religious argument Right. Ben Shapiro does something. This is where he's going to start to turn it on her because, you know, her thing is it's about the life of the mother. That's the only one that she's concerned with. Listen to this. About forcing women to take pregnancies to turn to term. They say they're pro-life. And what about the life of the mother is my question or the woman who's carrying a fetus. Um, Not aware that anybody's wanting to kill but, but you know, mother. I, I just don't believe anybody should be able to. Now, he slipped that in there, but did you hear? He, he's challenging that because her whole argument is, well, you say you're pro-life. What about the life of the mother? Who's, who's taking the life of the mother? I got news for you. The mothers who don't have an abortion don't actually suffer any consequence of death right. from an right. abortion. Absolutely. I mean, there's no one forcing. You notice the the language just they're being forced to. This is forced. <laughs> no one's forcing her to go have sex. Pregnancy to term, right? Yeah, no one's forcing her to have the child. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the the thing is, it's like, well, if you don't allow abortion, you're forcing this. And and the whole thing is the life of the mother. Um, what about the life of the baby? We're gonna get to that. Hold on. But let's first deal with this issue she tries to make about religious ideology because she has a religious ideology as well. Absolutely, she does. So now let's take this clip of hers and think about does this clip that when she says about religious ideology, does it apply to her? 
either. I, I just don't believe anybody should be able to impose their religious ideology on others who don't necessarily subscribe to that, those religious beliefs. Everyone is entitled to be respected for their religious beliefs, but not to have the government um, weaponize those beliefs into law. Okay, so notice the language, weaponize those beliefs. Those religious beliefs are being weaponized. Oh, so evil. Those beliefs that have been held for 6,000 years. Um, Yeah, more like you're the ones weaponizing them against the children in the womb. Here's what's in, here's what's interesting. Her the whole first part of the of the interview was established on the basis of her desire. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to use her language, I mean, first of all, her religion is is secular humanism. Okay, uh, it's feminism. I mean, those that those are the religious. Uh, th- that's the religious ideology that informs her worldview. Okay, she doesn't want to call it religious because it's you know in her mind it's not. Well, no, no, she doesn't want to call it religion because if you do, it takes away this argument that works so well. Absolutely, but what she's doing is she's using government and law to impose her worldview, her beliefs, on everyone else, and that's okay. It is not okay for those who have a view that that opposes hers to do so on any moral basis. Yeah, and and see, the thing that you end up hearing with it is, by just saying it's a religious ideology, the term weaponizing, these are terms that are used specifically to to cause you, as you listen to her, to be like, oh, that's bad. No, we shouldn't do that. No, that's a bad thing, you know, and that's, that's the goal of it. And so don't be fooled by it, okay? Don't be fooled by this. Now, Ben is going to do something that I think was was very good. In and I mean, look, he's an experienced debater. He knows what he's doing. It's not like this is the first rodeo he's had. He he knows what she's trying to do. He is an Orthodox Jewish man. She's she's trying to make the religious argument so that they you know that all of a sudden it's those that are non-religious versus religion to get more people to side with her. He's going to bypass all that and make it a scientific argument. And so let's play this clip because he's going to point out that most of us don't argue from a religious position only. We can. It's very easy. God, the creator, the the one who created the universe and spoke it into existence, that creator of everything who gave us life, is the source of life, has said that in the womb, life begins. That in the womb, he forms that child. And so, he's the one that says that. He's the one that has laws that say that if you injure a pregnant woman, you suffer a death penalty because you've taken a life. That is saying, he makes it very clear, this is life, even in the womb. Okay? We can make that argument. But Ben Shapiro, well... This may shock some folks, but Ben Shapiro, his authority is not the Bible. I don't know if people that shocks folks, but it isn't. Listen to his arguments. Listen to how he argues. Listen to how he, he tries to present these. He's arguing as a Jewish man, yeah. but not, his ultimate authority is not God's word. It is, no. It's going to be, in this case, science arguments. Science. Yeah. It's going to be his tradition, really, that is the authority for him. But you're going to see him be able to make arguments that, as Christians, wouldn't be our first argument. I wouldn't be arguing right out of the gate from the scientific argument, though yeah. there are scientific arguments that uphold the issue of 
life in the womb, but we would start with God's Word in the Bible. Though we'll, we can also use science. But here's the thing you're going to hear him say. You're going to hear him argue for a scientific argument. Let's listen. What about the, the scientific life interest of the fetus? What I mean there is that the uh, I speak to pro-life groups, I'm sure, far more often than you do. I'm sure you speak to pro-choice groups far more often than I do by, by converse. Uh, and the main argument that I articulate and that pro-lifers around me articulate is not a religiously based argument. It's an argument based on the science of, of fetal development. Mm-hmm. Well, the question that I'm asking is, even Roe versus Wade acknowledges that at a certain point in the pregnancy, there is a countervailing interest in the life mm-hmm. of the child. Do you acknowledge that there is a countervailing interest in the life of the child and the preservation thereof? And on what basis in the fetal development would you place that countervailing life in? Okay, that is the question he's going to ask her three times, and she never answers. Virgil, why do you think she doesn't answer that one question? It it, it, it destroys her argument. She's, she's made the argument that this uh, all, all of her language surrounds the fact at the end of the day that the bottom line issue with regard to abortion is is this a human life and if it is that we that, that it is it is it is out it is incumbent upon us to treat that human life with specific value dignity and worth it's the same argument she's been making for every other area of life from the beginning of this interview now when it comes and you you pointed this out early on now, when it comes to the life in the womb, she's going to abdicate. She's going to walk away from all of those arguments that she's been positing from the beginning of the interview. And, and they'll all be absent because now it doesn't serve her convenience. Exactly. And that's, that's what this is. The argument is just for her convenience. I like how you said that. Because it, it is her religious ideology that she wants to force upon the rest of us. Okay. Now, this is, in, this is where you're going to start hearing this heat up. If you listen to the last, say, 10 minutes of that, you know, that podcast that they did, you'll hear her voice changes. It's starting to get a little bit more agitated. You're going to start hearing that as he starts poking holes that she can't answer. And I want to play these different clips because I want to show you the way she's going to argue because you're going to recognize this with other people. You're going to see people that do this. And if you can recognize it with what Gloria is in her exchange with Ben and what she does, then you're going to be able to see it when someone is doing this to you. So let's look at some of this. First is going to be the care about the life of the mother. Um, This is the focus. There's a big difference being played here. The question is, Ben is asking about the life of the child in the womb, and she's asking about the life of the mother. And we've already established, no one is trying to kill the mother. So we don't know what that life is that she's so worried about. But listen to this argument. I mean, how much do you care about the life of the woman? Versus the life of the fetus, or you know, the future of the fetus. Okay, so how much do you care about the life of the woman? Is the life of the woman in threat here, Virgil? Most it's most not, of the time, it's it's not in threat. It's more in threat at the, at the point at which she's at, she enters an abortion clinic. Her her life is in danger, but it's only at the point at which she enters the abortion clinic. Prior to that, there's no threat to the woman's life. You know, there was that case with uh, Gosnell and. It was interesting because the only reason they actually investigated him was because a woman died. Right. And they were all like, we do not want to touch this because it's abortion. Mm -hmm. So they were going to let a murderer continue to do what he was doing, even though he he was like, with everything going on, because they don't want to touch the abortion issue. They don't want to make it about abortion. But the only way they got it across was because they made it about the 
person, the woman who died. So one woman died. How many children died there? A whole lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but you're, you're going to start to see Ben is going to turn up the heat. Um, the, li- the life of the mo- the life of the mother is is not at at risk. The life of the child is exponentially at risk in, in at, at the point at which she enters an abortion clinic. That's that's just fact. That's just fact. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this clip. I'm not in favor of abortion, and I'm not in favor of no abortions. Okay, so I'm in favor of choice. Okay, whose choice? Who's choice? Here, here's the question. She's in favor of choice, right? That's what she said. I, I love this meme that I, I'll, I'll probably put as the picture for this, the thumbnail of this podcast so you can look at it. There's a bunch of women protesters, and, and they're saying, not your body, not your decision. And the meme says, uh, ma'am, this is the same thing your preborn baby is saying to you. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. she's, she's not for abortion. She's not against abortion. But it's it's just a question of choice. Well, mm-hmm. whose choice? Who gets to choose? Because right. whether you like it or not, it is a bunch of government leaders that make that choice, mm-hmm. whether it's legal or illegal. And now we're going to hear how she feels about leaders, government officials making that decision. This is where it gets interesting. I don't think that elected officials sitting in Washington or Sacramento or any other capital of any state who have never met any of these women who are getting pregnant should be making a decision for them that is going to affect their lives. Um, first off, just for the record, Gloria, I, 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 you're a very intelligent woman. You're an excellent attorney. But do you not realize that every government official that makes a law makes it and it affects people's lives? I mean, like, is this like a, a new thought for her? <laughs> right, right. I mean, right. it's it's like they always, it's always going to affect that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so when she makes this argument, um, you know, it, it's really an argument that men don't have a say in abortion. Okay, right. So let me play this and. I want to, you know, she's trying to say they have no right. Well, this is this is one of my, if you don't listen to the Andrew Rapport's Daily Rap Report, it's a two-minute podcast, Monday through Friday. Here is my argument that I made against her argument that she says that these men who are far away shouldn't have a say. Should men have a say when it comes to abortion? This is what I said on that podcast. One of the common arguments to shut down discussion for men when it comes to the issue of abortion is to say that men have no say in abortion. This is a woman's issue. However, do men have a say in abortion? Well, we would first say as Christians that both male and female had say before they committed the act that created life in the womb. And therefore, that is where the choice should have taken place. Once there is life, we don't murder the child for any reason, even if the child came about from some sinful act. It is never right to murder another human being, and that's what abortion is. Now, do men have a say? Well, for those who want to argue that men should not have any say in abortion, if you're going to hold that consistently, then we better make abortion absolutely illegal until we have 
well, nine women to vote on the courts. Because what made abortion legal was nine men. Nine men who, who chose in a court to say that abortion would be legal. Therefore, if men have no say, we should immediately make abortion illegal until enough women vote for it. And by the way, the majority of women in poll after poll always come out to say that they do not support abortion. They are pro-life, so they would never have abortion legalized. And so there you have it. I mean, her whole argument is that these leaders shouldn't have a say, but the thing that made it legal was a bunch of men far away. Nine of them, in fact. So, you know, she's against the choice of governors and, and people who actually vote. She doesn't want that. She, now that it's legal, it has to stay this way. And these leaders should have no say in it. Let me play this. Um, this is with the definition of a fetus. They get into a fetus. Now, this is interesting because you're, you're going to start to hear her lose it. She's, she's going to be losing the argument. You're going to hear that because she's going to start to make arguments where she starts to try to turn the tables on, on Ben. She's going to try to be like, well, you want to talk science? Listen to this. So I'm really, I, really, I promise I'm only yeah. going to ask it one so more time and then okay. I, I know we have to run. But, okay. Uh, the- okay. I'll, I'll stop it there. He says, I'm only going to ask this one more time. Ben lied. He didn't know he was going to lie because he asked it a third time <laughs> and she never answers it. But, but listen to this. So I'm really, I, really, I promise I'm only yeah. going to ask it one so more time and then okay. I, I know we have to run. But okay. uh, the, the, it, the, the question again is about the, the life interest of the fetus. I'm perfectly willing to acknowledge the life interest of the mother, which is why, again, I'm in favor of the possibility of abortion when a mother's life is in danger. But do you acknowledge that? Oh, that's that, really big of you. Um, well, you no, know. because it's about the definition of life. It's not no, about the it's attempt about the, to restrict It's women. about the law. Okay, so so it's <laughs> I, I mean, just listen to what Ben says there because this this is important, right? You no, know. because it's about the definition. It's about the definition of life, right? That's what she doesn't want to deal with. She doesn't want to deal with the de- that is the underlying issue in all of this. I love um, what uh, they, I first heard of it from with Santa Reason, but um, Scott Klusendorf developed the, his whole thing, and the first question you should ask is, "What is it in the womb?" Right. Right. Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's the fundamental question of this conversation. What is in the womb? Is that a human life? And if it is, we all know, not because some book informs us, but we, we know based upon the fact that we are image bearers of God. And as, and, and as a result, we know some, some, some old pastors say, you just know in your knower, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you just, you just know that this is a human life, and as a result, it, it deserves value, dignity, and, and, and worth. Yeah. And so what you end up seeing here is, you know, she's starting to get, she's going to start getting hamstrung. Um, listen to this, because this is where her whole argument so far has been, this is a law. Like, now that it's law, we can't change it. Ben starts to answer that. It's, it's, about, the, it's about the law. It's about what laws... Well, it wasn't the law until 1973. Boom! I mean, that was the mic drop right there. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the law. Yes, but the argument that those of us who believe in life in the womb are that we should not murder, we should not legalize murder of any kind. And therefore, you, you should not be taking the life of a child in the womb. The definition of life is essential to this. And the fact is, yes, it's a law today, and we want to change the law. 
back to what it was before 1973. We want to have it where states have the choice. She, the reason she's against Roe versus Wade and, and everything she's saying is because she does not want states to have the choice. She wants to keep it at a federal level where it's federal for every state. She is against states making their own choices. So is she really for choice? No. no. Only when it serves her interests. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and this is what you end up seeing. I mean, she's going to talk about how women are forced to have abortion. Listen. States could criminalize abortion before that and, and force women to have unsafe uh, illegal abortions. Okay, what state was doing that before 1973? What state was forcing women to have illegal abortions? None of them. None. None. Right? Now, now you know how I know, Virgil, that Ben Shapiro was getting under her skin? How? Because this next clip, she starts, the next two clips, I'll play them back to back, she gets so self-righteous, like, I'm older than you, Sonny. You don't have the right to know this stuff. You can't know it because I have experiences that you haven't had, and I know more than you. You don't believe me? Just listen. And you are too young to remember what it was like. I'm old enough to know that there are a million abortions a year, some of them it was, term. You are too young to know, being that you're, what, 36, to know what it was like before 1973 in the U.S. Supreme Court. And you don't know, and I do, how many women... Were for, were, had illegal abortions and who will never tell you they will tell me and they suffered and they suffered and you don't know you don't know I know what do you how do you know I mean he, he knows how many children are aborted how many children's lives are killed murdered he knows that you don't need like this is one of the arguments Virgil you have dealt with on your podcast with with, with Daryl is the fact that you know, these people make the argument, well, you have to live in my shoes before you can speak right. about these things. It, it, it's two things. It's an emotional appeal that's based on an experience that's unique to the individual. And so it, it, what, it, what those who are positing those kinds of arguments are trying to do is it, it, they're trying to eradicate. They're trying to get you away from making a sound argument on the, on the basis of facts and truth. It's, it's anecdotal at best. It's, it's, it's Gnosticism at worst. <laughs> you know, she's, she's got special knowledge that no one else can have. I mean, it's not difficult to go back and identify who women were prior to 73 and find their stories and find out what was actually taking place. There will be some things that are true. And what will be true is the, in those instances, when those women, whoever they were, who quote unquote suffered, they, if they were successful in having an abortion, obtaining an abortion, they murdered the life of a child in their womb that we can know for with certainty and make decisions on that basis. Yeah. And and this is the thing that you're seeing is she gets this self-righteous attitude because she's losing the argument. Absolutely. Okay. And you'll hear that with people that do this. And, And now she's appealing to, you know, her knowledge and her experience, but yet notice she can tell Ben Shapiro, you believe in forcing motherhood. So she could speak for the man. But the man can't speak for her. If she was consistent, she'd be like, well, you know, do you believe this? I I think you believe this, but I can't really tell. But I'm not a man, so I can't understand what a man goes through. In fact, I got news for you. Um, Virgil, is your life experience, does that match every single African-American? No. Hmm. You know that my (laughs) life experience doesn't perfectly match every single Jewish-American boy? Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, we're all kind of individual, and we all take things differently. And the argument she makes is to group all women into one group and then Absolutely. say no man has any right to speak on anything that a woman feels. Absolutely. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And we said this before, but Ben's going to bring this up. The question is, what is the priority? Mm-hmm. The fetus or the woman? Listen. I'm not willing to inflict that suffering and that danger. Are you on the unborn child? On women. I mean, does the unborn child have any interest? I keep, it's the third time I've asked it. It's the third time you've asked because your priority is the fetus and not the life of the woman. No, I've already acknowledged that I'm in perfectly in favor. Okay, but words alone are not enough. No, I'm in favor of codifying that legal laws. We need laws. Now that, that, that is the best clip I think that I have (laughs) because this shows so much. This, that one clip is, really the whole part of the argument because it's what is the priority he's saying no i i'm in favor of laws laws that protect both mother and child right this is where she's really losing the argument i mean now it's starting to fall apart on her Mm -hmm. and it it comes out because after this it's like it's almost all just emotional arguments and nothing that she does that is trying to support a logical argument where she builds up and and she's she's lost it at this point you're hearing it in her voice she's starting to get agitated let me play this again because this is such an important clip i'm not willing to inflict that suffering and that danger are you on the unborn child okay so the that that suffering and that danger and he, and so what does he do he brings it about the child I mean, does the unborn child have any interest? I keep, it's the third time I've asked it. It's the third time you've asked because your priority. Okay. She's upset that he keeps coming back to the same question. She has tried to avoid it. (laughs) This is the third time she's trying to avoid it. And she's like, will you just leave this alone? I don't want to answer because I can't answer it and be consistent. (laughs) Right? So she's getting annoyed with it. Your priority is the fetus and not the life of the woman no i've already acknowledged that I- okay so earlier in the in the interview he acknowledged that they had that discussion i didn't play it but they acknowledge it and now she's she goes to exactly virgil as you said earlier she goes to the law the law and she tries to make it she's she tried to make it about a religious argument he took that away by saying let's talk science she tried to argue it about the the issue of suffering he took that away but said what about the suffering and the danger to the child so now she's got nothing left she's going to go back to the law and he's going, but I agree with the law. I want to change the law so that it protects both. Right. Perfectly in favor. Okay, but words alone are not enough. No, I'm in we favor need, of codifying that legal. Laws. We need laws. <laughs> we need laws. We need laws. I'm agreeing with you. We need laws to protect the child. I want to codify that in law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Words are not enough. He's not arguing for words. He's arguing for law. Mm-hmm. Right? She's the one now arguing for words. Mm-hmm. Don't change the law. <laughs> So, so, oh, we got so many more clips. All right. <laughs> this is definitely a long episode, bro. Uh, all right. Here's where she says we need laws to protect choice. We need laws to protect the right of the woman to make that choice. Okay. So we need, so I want you to remember that we need laws to protect the woman of that choice, right? Now she's going to say, and I want to play this in order. She's then going to talk about not going to force people uh, to, you know, she doesn't want to force people to make, uh, you know, women pregnant. No one's forcing that. But listen, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to insist that every sperm of yours be used. OK, 
to impregnate a woman. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force you to make women pregnant is what I'm saying. Okay. Now, if you listen to the clip, you're going to be like, where in the world is this coming from? Right. Good. Because it had absolutely nothing to do with their argument. This was her scrambling. They're live in studio, cameras on them. She's feeling the pressure and she's scrambling for any way to make any emotional appeal to get the people back on her side. And, and she, she comes up with flexion. this. I mean, this is like a ridiculous argument that doesn't even fit in the context. Your, your thoughts? I, this is complete deflection. I mean, I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> I don't think she did either. No. So now let me let me play the clip that she said before this, and, and I want to play the one after, because you're going to see now the contradiction. We need laws to protect the right of the woman to make that choice. Okay, we need laws to protect the right for the choice, right? And then she says this later on. I'm not in favor of laws which restrict you in the choices you're going to make as long as they're legal. Uh, in reference to your sexual activity. Ah, so as, so we don't want to restrict anything, any laws that come to your sexual activity, right? right. Uh, but but did you hear that one clip that she said? Listen, they're legal. Oh, what was that word? Yeah, as long as they're legal. As long as it's legal. Legal. So yeah. in other words, Gloria. You should never have been supporting abortion to be legalized because it was illegal. That's exactly right. You see, this is where the whole thing breaks down because yeah. her whole argument is, but it's legal. But when it was legal, when the law said you can't have abortion, you supported changing the law. Right. And she says, well, as long as it's legal, any choice, as long as it's legal. Gloria, do you support men having sex with animals or men having sex with their children? Mm-hmm. I should hope you would say no. There's no law that makes it legal, but that's a choice, a sexual choice. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, yeah, but it's not legal. But right. neither was abortion. And you and fought her, for that and, change. And, 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 her th- and again, according to her worldview, it, that, those, those grotesque situations that you just articulated with having sex with children would be okay in her mind if they were legal. I mean, if if they were legal, then that makes it moral. That's that's the point that she's that she's that she's appealing to. That is absolutely absurd. Well, and th- see, this is the whole thing. This is why I, I bring this up, because that's where her whole argument breaks down, because, as you said at the beginning, she defends depends on the law. But the law yeah. is morality. We already shown, said this. And so this is the the thing that you have to recognize. She wants to change the laws when it doesn't go the way she wants, but she doesn't want you to change it back. She should have the right to change the law. You shouldn't. And, you know, it's like she ends up saying, you know, about the laws that somehow it's like you, you want to force women to risk their lives. Listen to this. But apparently you want to pose a whole set of laws on women which is going to make them risk their lives. So she knows she could speak for Ben Shapiro and, and probably and all pro-lifers, but she's not a pro-lifer in her. If she's going to be consistent, she can't do that. And, and this is where it's going to start getting real heated. This is where Ben is now going to say, but whose, whose body is it basically? Thank you. I respect your right to want to advocate, to restrict a woman's right to choose and what she does with her body. She's not your body. 
No, it's the baby's body that's okay, being affected. It's not a baby if it's a fetus. It's a fetus. You want to use scientific terms? <laughs> use them. You want to use scientific terms? Use them. Um, yeah, a fetus is a human being. It's a human being in the womb. That's, that's what it is. That's what the word means. It's a human being that's in the womb. Right? I mean, they have, they've redefined it. They have to redefine it because they want to say it's something other than a human being in the womb. Right. But that's what it is. And you're here. You, like, I want to play the beginning of this because I want you to. I want you to listen to how just how snotty she is. You could tell that the truth is getting under her skin. Listen to this. Thank you. I respect your right to want to advocate to restrict a woman's right to choose and what she does with her body. You, you see that? It's like <laughs> you know. And and so they get into a, a quick discussion here. What is a fetus? Right. It's called a fetus. So one, one minute stages. before birth. So actually, it's, it's a called a fertilized egg at other reasons. Right. I, I assume egg, you're against birth control as well, right? Less embryo than fetus. Are, than you, are you against birth control? No. Okay, so she, what is she doing? Right there, she's, she tried another argument. It failed, right. and failed. she's doing a red herring. She changes right. topics. Are you against? And she's going to go into trying to make that, uh, you know, you know to, to, to get try to get somewhere where she can get off this topic. Now, here's the funniest part. I think of the interview. We've already established three times he asked her the same question, right? She's upset because he doesn't answer one question about birth control. Listen to this. <laughs> In other words, even if a woman is raped, you want to restrict her ability to choose to have an abortion. Is that correct? If you want to argue about the edge case, in which I don't want to argue about well, it, I just asked, I'm asking about. you a question which you've not answered. Yes. <laughs> I've asked you a question and you're not answering. You notice when she when she asked him the question, very straightforward. Did, did he provide a straightforward answer? He sure did. One word. Yes. Could she do that? Three times. Could she do that? No. Not once. Not once. No. And she wants to use rape to justify all abortion, and he Absolutely. calls her out on it. Listen. Absolutely. The answer, the yes, answer is yes. The, the, answer woman, is, the answer is the answer the, is yes. The morning after the pill. rapist should be Captured, killed, put in jail forever, and the no, and I'm not talking still, about the rapist. I understand you're not. I'm talking, talking about, the about the woman and the rape victim. Does she based on have the, access so to a morning after? The case that you're making is that based on cases of rape, we should then legalize abortion for all other cases. Rape represents an extraordinarily small number of abortions. Each one of those is a horrific situation, a okay. tragedy. Well, I have nothing and, sympathy for women who even have abortions. It's a horrific case. situation. Anytime a woman has to make a decision about whether she's going to have an abortion or not. Okay. So, you know, you're hearing her, like, this is the end of the argument. She's trying to, like, get some way to get back on better footing here because she's totally she been... She lost it. Yeah, she was demolished on every yeah. front. She never answered the fundamental question he was asking, not once. I mean, over and over again. You're seeing this, and, and what ends up happening? She, she just can't handle it. No. Okay. Now, this last, this is the last clip, 30 seconds long, you know, dealing with the, the, and this is important because she's going to be arguing for, you know, that the woman knows better than the government leaders. Okay. So I want to play this and I want you to think the whole time you're listening to it, I want you to think one thing. Did those nine judges know better than all the women when they made Mm. abortion legal? Just think about that. Think about that while we play this. She's the one who gets to decide. Why is that so hard for you? Because no individual gets to define the way somebody else's life. Why do you think a legislator knows better than she does? Some elected official she's never met, sitting thousands of miles away, has a right to decide what she can do 
in her own life, what that teenager has a right to do, what that woman living in a rural area has a right to do, what that woman of color has a right to do, what that poor woman has a right to do. Because, again, you refuse to acknowledge that there is a countervailing interest in this equation I'm other not than the woman. Apparently the baby does not exist or the fetus does not exist. It's all about a balancing of, of interests. Okay, so it's all balancing of interests. Yeah, as long as it's her interest, she doesn't even. Yeah, absolutely. She doesn't even want him to speak in a in a, in a way that that what he's saying can be clearly heard and understood. Yeah, and you see that countless times where she's speaking over him, so yeah, that right. none of his audience, or really her audience who may be listening, could be swayed. Because this was the essential thing, and and folks, if you're going to argue for abortion, now, Virgil, we didn't talk about this, but you you do abortion ministry, you go out to abortion clinics on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, you you reach out to folks, you offer help for their choices, Mm -hmm. offer different choices than just abortion, and Mm -hmm. the fundamental argument that Ben Shapiro tried to get to, and that is essential to this, is what is it in the womb? That's the bottom line. And she can't answer that. because. If she says it's a human, her the rest of her argument goes away because then it's murder. And she knows she can't win this legislative issue on a murder for choice issue. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's what this comes down to, folks. That's the bottom line. And and Ben, you know, staying on topic, you could see how unrailed she got. I mean, toward the end, she's she really was getting snippy with him, talking over him, just wanting to 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 shut him down, and be like, "You think that these legislators know better?" Well, these legislators um, have to basically make a law to for the protection of human beings, and those include human beings in the womb. So, if they're going to be balanced, they should say, "You know what." If the 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 mother's life is not at risk, mm-hmm. then we shouldn't take this child's life. What did the child do to earn death? Yes, uh, even if it's if they're raped, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but that doesn't justify killing someone else. Right. Kill the rapist, and that's what Ben tried to argue. You mm-hmm. punish the rapist for what he did wrong. You don't punish the child for what the father did. Absolutely. Would would any of you like to be punished for what your dad did? No, not a person. And there, there's there's no area of jurisprudence that that allows for that. None. Yeah, and so I I think that this interview with Gloria Aldridge was was very enlightening. I think it was helpful for folks to see exactly what the argument from the left is, and it's mm-hmm. a bad one. And I think that uh, folks need to be aware. I mean, recognize these these behaviors. You're going to see them. You're, it's it's not going to be an unusual thing. Okay, um, this is the way people argue, and I want you to be able to spot it when you see it when people are doing this because this is the this is what the left has. This is what those that reject God they have no way to argue. They can't argue from it. An objective, absolute standard. Mm-mm. We can because we have the truth. Absolutely. So, brother, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you at G3 soon. I hope so, man. God, mm-hmm. Lord willing, we plan on being there. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be uh, maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll try to see if we can get some some uh, interviews and and podcasting done while we're there. Well, you will, but right. you know. Right. 
the rest I'm of us down, will be. In- I'm down for. I'm down for whatever, man. I'm, I'm hooking. I'm ready to hook up with whoever. I'll be there. I know Daryl will be there. We're looking forward to it. A lot of folks. It's, it, it, it's almost like a family reunion at this point, man. I mean, I've I've been a number of years, number of times, and so it's always good to see everybody there and and reconnect and see what's going on in ministry and just just all the folks that we connect with in the social media space and social media platforms to see them live and in person. Uh, it's a joy. Not to mention the ridiculously phenomenal preaching we get to hear for a number of days so folks did you did you hear what he said he's down with anything right <laughs> okay folks this is it we're gonna see we're gonna test this now so we will know when we when i return from g3 if virgil <laughs> takes me out for sushi then we know <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, brother, it's always good to have you on, and uh, look forward to seeing you at G3. Absolutely. Um, You guys will be doing a live recording, which will be neat. Mm -hmm. And I I do hope this was informative for folks. I know it's a longer episode. We don't like to go this long, but uh, be looking forward to some new things coming out. We got uh, a lot of new podcasts coming on the Christian Podcast community. And we're going to be presenting some of those when we get down to G3. We're up to 21 podcasts. we got one more we got to add, uh, just wow. waiting for a contract. And we have about eight more in queue. So probably about five of them will probably make it through. Um, and so we're, we're, uh, it's a growing community of podcasters, good Christian content. So go to, just check them all out. Um, and you can go to christianpodcastcommunity.org. You see them all there. Do you want to give another plug? You can look in the show notes uh, for our podcast community giveaway. We have over $1,000 worth of resources we're giving away. Uh, theology and evangelism. We just got some more stuff in that was sent to me from some of the other podcasts. So different podcasters from the community are sending stuff in, and we're just wow. adding it to the list. And you could go to podcasts dot striving for eternity dot org slash contest or go to bitly dot com slash cpc contest and get all the details or just go to the show notes because the link is there and you can get all the the details all the different ways to enter we're going to run it through the end of february so that we can catch g3 and it just helps to promote all the different podcasts make you aware of all the podcasts we have that are in the community so hope that's something that you would look forward to check it out and be part participating in so until next time remember to make to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of god And guess what, Virgil? What's that, buddy? That's a wrap. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.